All right, good morning, good morning, RCC family. Good morning to those of you who are coming in and already here. We are so happy that you're worshiping with us this morning. If you guys want to start to make your way to your seats, it's time for church. All right, and so if you're watching and it's your very first time, we would love to give you a proper hello. So if you want to just drop your name and where you're watching from in the comment section, we'll be able to do that. Um, so if you've been following for a while, you know that we have been embracing new rhythms in our service. And what they do is each week we'll have a different focus. So this week is meditative Sabbath. So what it looks like is you'll see a little bit longer worship time at the end. We'll have some prayer prompts for you. If you're here, you'll have the opportunity to receive prayer. And we'll just kind of soak in the Spirit of God, and it'll be really beautiful. So look out for that. You'll see that later on in our service. And if you are physically here, we ask that you just love your neighbor really well by keeping your mask on for the entirety of service. That means even during worship, and I know it's annoying, but it's a great way to love your neighbor and just to make sure that we're all being as safe as possible as we gather together. Now, we're going to jump into our lectionary. And if you are unfamiliar with the lectionary, it is a collection of passages that works through the Bible in three years. It connects us with the universal church. And every Sunday, we read a psalm together. And we are reading alongside countless churches all over the world. So if you want to turn your attention to the screen, it'll say, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble, and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquities suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. And he sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. And let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds and songs of joy. And so God, what the psalmist describes this morning is a God who is merciful. We too are much like the Israelites and have gone on our own way, considering our opinions and our preferences to be king, and we have strayed far away from the shalom and the kingdom that you have offered. God, draw us back home and draw us back to righteousness. Thank you that you are a God that does that and that is so good and so kind. God, this morning we just create space. We posture our hearts. We turn our focus to exaltation and joy and testimony. Lord, we trust that you are taking care of all the things that we've brought in with us this morning, the stresses and the, the valid worries, but that you are working them out while we worship. And so Lord, we just worship through it all. We love you and we thank you. And in your holy name we pray. Amen. I just feel compelled for us to just sit in this moment. Meditating on how 
great and good God is. prayer sitting in front of me for praise of the people and um, part of being obedient is sometimes feeling risky <laughs> but I just feel like there's this grace and almost this favor for maybe people who are desiring or needing to see and be reminded of the greatness and goodness of God that maybe there's a, a, a special favor or a special grace for an increase of faith. And so in these moments when you ask the questions, there's a chance nobody responds, and that's okay. But if you are somebody, and we're not going to surround you, but if you are somebody that is sitting here listening to these words and is saying, I could really use the reminder of the greatness and goodness of God, or if you're sitting there going, I could use an increase of faith for the thing that I'm hoping to see God do. Would you be willing to raise your hand that we as your brothers and sisters in Christ, and we as the joining in with the saints that we would be able to pray and partner with you. So if that's you, would you be willing to raise your hand? And for those of us who are not raising our hand in this moment, there will be a time and a place where we are raising our hands. And if you're watching online, if you would be risky enough to even put your name in a silly chat that might seem silly, but really it's a step of risk, and it's a way for us to be able to partner with you. So if you're not raising your hand in this moment, would you look around to the people who are raising their hands? And for us as the body, this is an invitation to take note of the people that are saying where they are, they are desiring and maybe even needing the prayers of the saints to affirm their faith, to push them into greater faith, to pray the bold prayer. What a beautiful part of the kingdom of God that we get to partner with them. That because of the spirit that is in me is the same spirit as in Elise or Alyssa or Sarah or Shane. We get to partner with them. And so because this is Meditation Sunday, there is a slowing that happens with meditation. And so we don't want to just rush into what was prayers of the people supposed to be. We want to pay attention. And so for just a moment, we're gonna have a moment of silence and would we in our chairs stretch your hand if you want to to somebody around you and would we pray over them?
what a gift this morning is. What a gift this morning is that we get to walk into a room where your spirit is already present. What a gift this morning is because we are met with mercies and grace that are new just for today. What a gift this morning is that we get to look around and partner with our brothers and sisters in Christ. God, I thank you that you see the hearts and the desires and the wants and the longings of every person's hand raised and name tight. Thank you for their boldness and the risk and the vulnerability of saying, God, I want to see your greatness and your goodness in this space, in this thing, in this situation, in this relationship. In my heart, I want to be reminded of your goodness and your greatness, that I would get to boast with the angels how great thou art and mean it with all that we have. God, I pray that there would be an increase of faith, an increase of your presence in their life, that they would know and that they would even dare to ask for more, to ask for the big thing, to believe that the impossible is possible. And would we, as the brothers and sisters of Christ in this body of River City Church, may we join in with them And say, we will, we will hold your hands high when your arms feel shaky. We will stand in the gap when you have no words. We will stand when you feel too weak. We will kneel when you need somebody to kneel. And we will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. It is a promise. We will see dry bones made flesh. You put breath in their lungs, a fresh breath, a renewed breath. Would you extravagantly pour out your love on your children? And may you open our eyes, all of us, to see the gifts of you being present in our life. May we not miss any of them in our struggle, in our not yet, in our waiting, would you meet us? Would you strengthen us? So God, we thank you for what you have done, what you are doing and what you are going to do. And we, with our hearts surrendered, our hands lifted, we say thank you, thank you, thank you that we get to partner with you this morning in this moment. Would your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So, somebody stole an hour from our lives last night. Anybody feel that this morning? I love it. So, welcome. Good morning. How's everyone feeling and doing? Hello, Jonathan. How are you? It's good to see you all. My wife just left. She said this is her least favorite part of the service. And then she was like, I was like, okay, I take it. 
Just kidding. Um, so I feel a sense of excitement slash joy slash anticipation for what God is doing right now. Specifically today, I want to continue in the idea that God is trying to speak to us. And I want you to go ahead and take your cynic again and just place your cynic at another table and allow this cynic to sit there and wait patiently as God continues to seek after you in ways that would bring you to life. Last week we talked about how God speaks through the different parts of our services. So we've already been here today and experienced prayers of the people. We've experienced worship through song together. We've experienced prayer together. We've experienced community. These ways that God shares his word to us. I've experienced this week a few different ways. I met with my guys group on Friday night and we broke bread and we had silence together and we did this thing where we challenged everyone to sit and listen for the voice of love so that we would understand that we are chosen and blessed. So we sat in this awkward silence with this anticipation to hear our Father allow us to begin to sense what it feels like to be loved. To be loved in such a way where it changes us. Because that's a big deal. And so my prayer for you today is that you would somehow sense the grace and love of God. And this is kind of a cliche spot because this is what pastors are always trying to do. Explain to you how God loves you. And I think sometimes pastors just aren't equipped enough to do that. I think this is why I think the body of Christ really needs a resurgence of the arts, poets, storytellers, songwriters, because these are windows into the heart of God that capture us deeply. I do believe God's given me the ability to share his love from my perspective, and I believe his spirit is present in this room, revealing always. But we need our storytellers to surface again. We need our painters to paint the love of God. We need our dancers to dance the love of God. Amen? Kara? Sarah? Jonathan? I will not be dancing the love of God today. That's my least favorite environment, it's dancing. So, please don't ask me to. So, really, today, kind of unrelated. I've got this, I'm just going to warn you, my message is jacked. It is literally like five different texts that I feel like God brought together all in the last minute. I'm going to start with this. The story of the children of Israel traveling through the wilderness in the Old Testament. They leave Egypt because they had prayed forever, for years, to be taken out of bondage. They travel out of bondage into the wilderness and experience the kind of dryness that makes you depend on God. They didn't like that feeling because... They had to worry moment by moment about what would come next. So God is continually telling them, I'm leading you to a place that's full of milk and honey, and he's drawing them to this place that would be the promised land. And I got this picture today that there must have been children of Israel that reached the promised land and even knew we're actually in the promised land, but that probably stayed near the edge, not knowing what to do when they stepped in. Because of the appetites of slavery and the appetites of the wilderness, and then just this idea that there has not been these kinds of things. And I get the picture that many of us, when we talk about the grace of God, we don't even like to hear that. Because we, we consider sometimes churches that focus too much on the grace of God probably surface level. I think that's a wrong view. I'm just going to say this. I don't think we really know what the grace of God is. 
The grace of God is not just my out card for having to deal with hard things or take ownership of my own sin. The grace of God is such that it changes everything. So it's literally entering a new land. But I get the sense that many of us are standing right on that edge, wondering why we still have these cravings, not knowing how to till the land. Because I think grace is like the land. And I think the book of Ephesians is like the promised land in Christ. But I get the sense that most of the body of Christ does not know how to till the land of grace, does not know how to put hand to plow, does not know how to step into what is bountiful and offered right as you enter. And we're just kind of wandering around. I actually get the sense that many people living in the land flowing with milk and honey or in Christ are still living as if they're in the wilderness, right? That is probably enough to focus on today, but that is just a (laughs) one-off. So back to Ephesians. So this book, we're at the part of this book now where the first part is this idea God explaining this is what God has done. This is what I would like you to believe, church at Ephesus. These are the things that are important for foundation. Then it gets to this part in the center that's a a lot like just a lengthy prayer from Paul. And then it steps into this idea for the rest of the book. Now, what do you do with that? What do you do as a young church in Ephesus with this information about the mystery of Christ being revealed? All have access. This is for you. What do you do with that? But we're right now in the middle of what I think is a prayer that he prays for this church. And so if you can open up to Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. This will be our primary text for today. And it says this. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses, that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Can I get an amen? Amen. I had this note that said work that grace and it was like offensive. I wrote it and I was like, ew. Work that grace. Maybe just don't tweet that today. There goes Rachel. She tweets it, I'm sure. So this is a dramatic start. This, this start is dramatic because he's saying for this reason, and we learned this last week. For this reason means one of two things. Either look back to what he just said or possibly look forward to what he's about to say. In this scenario, I think it's a blend of both. He's talking about for this reason, this mystery. Everybody say mystery. This mystery has been revealed that all have access to God, Gentile and Jew, us. We all have access to God, and we can be with him. This is part of it. And also, 
that you would understand the depth of what this means for you. So much that you're rooted. So he's saying, for this reason, for those things, I am going to, what does he do? I'm going to what? I'm going to kneel before the God who has named everyone on earth. Not just some, not just Jew, not just Gentile, not just Americans. Many of you probably didn't know that we're not the only Christian nation. But there are Christians worldwide. He says, for this reason, I bow my knees before my Father. So this is, this is interesting because you get the sense that with Paul... He's a man of prayer and worship, but not just because it's what he learned to do as a Christian. This is not a knowledge thing. He is literally embodying what it means to be a man of prayer and worship in front of people he's interceding for. He's saying to them, and this is big, I cannot do for you what needs to be done. I can't make you into what I know God wants you to be. I cannot. So I have to teach you something else. I have to teach you what it looks like to be dependent on God so that if I'm removed from your life, you can still continue in this. Dependence on God, right? N.T. Wright talks about prayer a lot, but I want to read you a quote. I'm going to pull this back over. Did you guys enjoy my object lesson? That one's free, all right? The next one is not. Just kidding. That's terrible to say, ever. N.T. Wright says this, the Western church, that's us, has perhaps allowed itself to be lulled into thinking that prayer and action are at opposite ends of the scale of Christian activity. Don't pray more, do more. The church needs to live the mission. It's both. It's not just action. It's not just meeting need. It's being permeated by the presence of God in that action. I just added that to this. And me and N.T. Wright, we do a lot together these days. <laughs> Those who want their actions to be effective for God's kingdom should redouble their time and effort in prayer. Halt the religious thing that just happened in you that said, I need to pray more. This is not what it's saying. Prayer brings together love and power. The relation of love that grows up between God and the person who prays and the flowing of power from God to and especially through that person is important. When we pause to spend time listening to the voice of love or being in the presence of Jesus, we are then reminded of the goodness of God as we give God. But if Paul stands in front of this group, unkneeled to God, dominating them because they are a young church who needs to grow and be discipled, they receive a much different message. Now they have the picture of what it looks like to seek after God in humility without dominating people. This is the message Paul brings through this whole text. Through every epistle, through every letter he writes, he is dramatically living a life of prayer and worship and saying things like, I'm the least of these, while leading people directly to the throne room of God. This is important. I imagine this church is probably like, so, like, is this possible? This kind of life? The kind of question we ask when we don't feel like God can do what he needs to do? So there are certain things as we pray that God might not answer. He might not bring a spouse next week for you. He might not bring a better job next week for you. But there are certain things God is definitely answering for us to live in his love, for us to walk 
fully in faith with him, for us to receive every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. These are all things he wants for us. So when we pray these things, we can, we can be certain that he's gonna do these things. So he's standing before them and they're probably like, so you're saying these really dramatic things to live rooted in this kind of love that has no height, has no depth. Is, is it height or height? That's what I was saying. It's, it's height. What if, what, if I, what if my words have no limits to connect to this past? No, okay. So, so this church is probably like sitting, sitting in a spot where if God doesn't answer, it will impact their faith dramatically. That they would grow in Christ and Paul's idea of leading them into a space where they're rooted in this. You want to talk about like equipping the saints in your walk with Jesus. If there's not an endearing affection towards a loving father in your faith, it will be impossible to grow. If there's not an endearing connection and a desire at least to step into a space where you pray and think, I want to be here, that's not an indictment on you to say that you're, there's anything wrong with you. But I would double down on what Paul is saying and say, he needs that to happen as a first for you. It's got to be how it starts for you. Because just forming a Christian ethic around the ideas that we find in here is not enough. But for you to love something and to be loved by something, it changes how you live it. Give a, give a person a job they don't want to do and watch. You can just start the clock before that person quits that job. Give a person a job they love to do and watch the person and the job thrive. Our walk with Jesus is that way. He wants us to have an endearing connection with him. He wants when we think of him for us to get giddy about what could happen with him. This as a foundation, the love that he's talking about has no limit and it surpasses the place in the mind right down to a place in the heart and it actually supersedes but doesn't cancel out. It's still important to have a mind, the mind of Christ. But oh, that I would have the heart of Christ that we would have the heart of love, that we would understand. About to jump all over the place. Niebuhr talks about how this revelation that happens here, this revelation for a Christian, a young Christian, to get this depth and knowledge. He talks about this revelation not as one we start to understand, but it's a revelation where we're brought into knowing we are so understood from beginning to end. We're so known by a knower that our life has changed. It's not that we get it all now. It's not that you figure out. It's that you now step into this space. Oh my goodness, the limitless love of God knows me better than I will ever know it. Do you understand that? To be in a space when you sit and pray and understand that you're sitting in a space and you are loved and you are known and you are fully accessible and God is fully there and you are not in trouble. This kind of space as a foundation is how he builds his church. And then he puts that church. Hopefully those saints will have understood that or things start to get jacked up. But let's not blame the churches and the histories that have shown us the way to not love God and love neighbor. That's not enough. That's not enough for you. Don't throw in the towel on Christianity because of people. That's not enough. Like, that's just an out for something else. That, to me, is like an excuse we want to say or do because we don't feel like we're lovable. That's what I think it probably boils down to. Instead of like, well, those bad Christians were dumb, and they put those things in their message, and I felt like I just had to give money all the time, and I had to serve all the time. That's not enough. That's not enough for you. Because what's on the other side of that is the limitless love of God that will motivate you into things, that will fully love the people around you. It's not enough to just blame the past. 
Step into the idea that God is leading you to this limitless love in Christ. The mystery is made known. You're the Gentiles now. I'm the Gentile now. I'm invited in. Do I get giddy when I think of spending time with Jesus? Do I get giddy when I show up to a group of brothers and sisters because I want to be around the body of Christ? Sometimes I don't, right? Like Barna did some research. We, we shared with you last year that around 10% of the active Christians in churches right now would say they have a vibrant relationship with Jesus, which includes an active prayer life, being at church two times a month. Oh my gosh. I haven't been to church two times a month in like I don't, 20 years. I come every week. I mean, it's not a competition, but I think I, think I won. I'm just kidding. But 10% of the Western Christian actively prays, actively is a part, actively gives to their church, actively is a, is a part of a connection that feels like discipleship is happening. 10%. 90% of Christians feel empty, disconnected, isolated, and are most certainly rooted in something not the church. But here's where I think we, we flip the switch. How fun and joyful it is to bring the message of Jesus to that 90% of Christians. They're not the enemy. They're not the enemy. They're the mission field. We're the mission field. And as soon as we become this community that falls in love with Jesus so much that we are transformed in our inner being, we don't even have to have a mission plan. But don't tweet that because somebody will be like, your pastor said what? The mission of Jesus looks best when it's organically happening out of his heart. The mission of Jesus looks best when you experience the love of God. It's like when you fall in love with someone, people, you don't have to tell people that. She's definitely in love with him. I can tell by the way she like changes when he's around. And she's like, hello. You don't have to like talk about that. I understand that. I understand it when I see it. You don't have to tell me the four-step plan why you love this person. You don't have to convince me of it. I get it. Jesus wants that kind of love from us. And he doesn't require that we figure out how to do it. He requires that we spend moments and time in his presence so that he can form that kind of relationship with us. That's his desire. So I just kind of went through it all, and that's okay. But this, this, this prayer would probably be the heart of every pastor I've ever met, that people would fall, they would understand the depth of his love, that they would be transformed in this inner being. Right? Everybody point to their inner, this, this portion of our lives that we box in and keep people out of, this portion of our life where transformation happens. You know, this, this place inside and at the core of us that Jesus wants so deeply to have access to that we keep him from because we're afraid, right? Because we're rooted in other things. We're rooted in fear or we're rooted in shame. It's such a shame culture that we live in. And so many people struggle with just the idea of being loved by an actual parent, to talk about the love of God. Like even in my own life, such massive opposition to me really believing God actually loves me. Like he is actually in love and pursuing me. I still want to perform. I still want to earn it in some ways because it's gotta be earnable. It's gotta, it has to be something I can attain and it will never be that. It will never be that. And for us as a body, this is the posture that every pastor wants, but this is what he wants. For The Spirit of God is at work doing this for you. 
leading you into it. And he's using a new metaphor here. Instead of building, as we saw recently, it's now being rooted. It's being rooted, which is, get the picture of being rooted, right? If, if something is rooted in something, right, something has longevity and possibility because of what they're plugged into. If this is the center of how he's working, right? This vine language we see in scripture, this rooted language here, that means that you're deeply in it so that if something comes that could thwart it, there's still root systems. Everything can shake. It will still grow. Root systems are important. What are we rooted in? What are you rooted in? What are you rooted in? You're rooted in something. We're all rooted in something. He desires that we're rooted in the love of Christ. Get that picture. Not just an idea. Not just what needs to be done. Not just a knowledge that Jesus is God. That's not enough. But to be rooted in the love that comes from that. Right? He says he's a prisoner to the gospel. That is not a negative thing for him. Paul is saying, I'm a prisoner to the kind of love that is including everyone in this. I'm a prisoner to the love of God. It's such a, even when I'm out and about, I'm a prisoner to the love of God. If you come at me and tell me I'm an idiot, whatever, I'm a prisoner to the love of God. You're an opportunity for the love of Christ to, to be, that's, this is what we are to live. To live in such a way that our lives are now completely different because of the love of God. This is what I think, this is the simple message for this year. Last year, I don't know what the message was. I think it was like LOL. I think that was like just LOL period. This year, the message is so simple. It's such basic stuff. I love you and I need you to really get that. Just that. If your whole year is that and you getting that, I love you and I need you to get that from God. Just I love you, really understand it. It will change every kind of thing. The kind of fruit that comes out of you, us, changes when we believe that. It literally takes everything, flips it on its head, and changes. This is the love of God. So we can't assume that everybody... I think we, we talked about this in staff recently that... We preach messages a lot of times assuming that everyone has kind of the basics of Christianity. And I think most people don't. Most people really don't know the simplest parts of this message that he's pursuing you and that he, there's not a space that he's not wanting to enter with you. All of these things that surpass knowledge. And it's such a joy to be able to talk through this and to step into it and to understand it, right? Like... It's such a joy to realize that your life that has its challenges are not about you figuring out how to feed bread to 5,000 people. It's about you recognizing who's right next to you. Jesus has the strategy and the plan. Proximity to Jesus gives you the ideas of how to feed that. And it's, it's a beautiful thing to realize that's how your morning starts. And that's how your family starts. And that's how your work is. I can't do this. I need this. Well, stop trying to figure out how to do it and be, be with me, right? My, my men's group that we're doing right now, this whole month we're doing silence and solitude. And there's some provocative language, what I'm about to say. Maybe not as provocative as you think, now that I've used the word provocative. <laughs> it's less provocative than that. But many theologians have said that maybe silence and solitude is the most important of all the disciplines. Yes. And evidently this theologian agrees. <laughs> 
And I immediately am like, well, what about Scripture? But I see in Jesus this idea that there's no way to do it without these things. And I see in these spaces when I become a child that learns in these spaces the kind of life brimming from me that I've never been able to create through attaining some other kind of thing. So our guys are going to go through this, and I challenge you. You don't feel the love of God. You don't believe the love of God. You don't, there's too much there. Slow. Everybody say slow. Slow. Sit. Everybody say sit. Sit. Be present. Everyone say be present. Let Jesus love you like he's always wanted to love you forever from the beginning even to now. Everybody say that. (laughs) Amen. Sometimes it's just as simple as believing what he's saying and being present to listen. That is the heart of the gospel. That we would be the kind of people that would be recentered into a new kind of culture that's not asking us to achieve so many things and let God do the work through us. I've made myself an apple tree 400 times, I've never produced an apple. I've sat with Jesus for 30 minutes at a time and seen him give me the, the ability to love someone who is difficult for me to be around. I've sat with Jesus for 15 minutes and come out of it not struggling with the fear and anxiety that I struggled with going into it. This is not a promise for what's happening with you. This is my story. I've sat with Jesus next to a river and been reminded probably the most pivotal point in my life as a church planner was sitting next to a river and hearing God say to me, I make rivers go all around the world that you have nothing to do with. And that's my favorite place to be. Jesus is so good. If you slow your rhythm, if you sit with him, then this surpassing knowledge that goes from head to heart can take root where you are the beloved son and daughter. That you're not just chosen because being chosen is not enough, but you're blessed. He blesses you. He blesses you with with a name, son, daughter. Oh, that's so good to live out of that sonship and daughtership. You're living out of a ship. This year you're going to live out of a ship. Amen. This is good. All over the place. It's good though. So so this, I do want to share this and then I'm going to close. So I, I have this idea as a Western Christian And I'm thankful to be in America. So I've had people say, well, you need to be thankful you live in America. And I was like, I'm thankful to be in America. I'm here. I actually think the situation with the church in America is probably at a better spot than it has ever been because it's producing truer fruit. It's producing the kind of disciples that can permeate a culture, not just build cathedrals. And I'm I'm pretty excited about that because I'd love to see discipleship and spiritual formation and actual spiritual growth more than I'd love to see really big places or like really cool-looking Atlanta Christian things, which is what we have in Atlanta, the coolest Christians in the world. And so, so this idea of in Christ, I've always kind of, kind of wrestled with the idea of in Christ, especially here because it's asking that Christ would dwell in our heart. And there's a way to have Christ dwell in me, which makes me still the main course. But as Paul uses the idea in Christ, I think for the Western Christian, it, it kind of covers some ground we need to see it cover. If I'm in Christ... I'm not the most important in that scenario. I'm a part, right? If Christ is in me, there's a way to compartmentalize that. So I think you have to do the one to do the other. I think we have to recognize we are in Christ, and that's a 
That surpasses any part of our being, any part of our church, any part of our culture. He is the one who named all. So we are in Christ, and as we live and move about our world, he lives in us. It's not one without the other. There's not a way that I can just be like, nah, you're in me, I'm gonna put you over here, I'm gonna go do this. This is the kind of life I think he's leading us to understand. And so the message translation of this says that as we open the door, Christ would come in. And so I am gonna, I'm gonna flip the switch right here, Mariah. We had an idea for prayer, but um, there's this story of Anne Lamont that I sent to our staff this week. It is actually provocative, and it has some words in it that are choice. I'm not gonna read those words here. But the idea is that Anne Lamont, um, she, she had an abortion, and she was very far away from even the idea of what it meant to be a Christian. And she said that after this had happened, she would sit in her room at night in a dark room, kind of dealing with the, all of it, like just the pain and the shame. And she started to sense that within this room, something or someone was present with her. And she tried to avoid it, but it's, she turned on the lights even one day. and was like, is anybody here? And then sometime later, she realized that she was certain that Jesus was present with her in the room. And then years later, she was visiting churches, and she started visiting churches that more high church kind of model, more like organs and cathedrals and places where the imagery kind of shows you the love of God and kind of draws you into wonder. I love cathedrals. My favorite place is in Scotland. And she said she started to sense that Jesus was pursuing her, and then one day she was like, blanket, you can come in. That's what she said. And she received Jesus through that context of being like, I'm being pursued so thoroughly, I cannot not receive this anymore. And the idea is that Jesus is looking for open doors because he desires to be with us more than we even desire. And so I want to ask you to pray a prayer with me. Close your eyes with me, actually. There's so, many, there's so many imaginative prayers that are stirring in my mind right now. But the one I want to start with is, with your eyes closed or however you can stay focused, what is your root system? Picture it. Where are your roots heading towards and in?
And with that in your mind, just a simple question, do you understand the love of God? Just real simply, do you understand it? So we're going to go ahead and uh, transition our online service. If you have any prayer requests, we would love it if you would reach out. Can't wait to see you. Um, I pray that God would be with you this week and that you would sense how much he loves you and that you would be so rooted in this that you would experience such freedom. In Jesus' name. Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.